God, how good it is on this first day of the week to be reminded that your son is the first of all creation, is all the days of creation. And in order to understand the end, we must remember the beginning. Be with us as we wait, as we watch, as we wrestle with what it means when you say, I will rise again on the third day. For this is the day that you have made. Help us to rejoice and be glad. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. And they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But the man said to the women, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Early on the first day of the week. This is how all four gospel writers begin their particular accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John know how to begin a good story. They need a line that draws their listeners in. It's like what happens to us when we hear once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and like great storytellers, each gospel writer tells what happened in their own way. Each one telling the story of resurrection a little differently than the others. And so today we spend time with Mark's story of the resurrection and wonder why in the world Mark tells it the way he does. Because to begin with, it's not so much a resurrection story as it is an empty tomb story. The empty tomb is the only proof that the resurrection happened. Jesus does not appear to any of the women by the tomb or appear to the disciples later in a locked-up room. 
for a post-crucifixion show and tell. That's another gospel. Mark ends his gospel with a cliffhanger. The women hear that Jesus has been raised, but are so afraid, they run away in silence and fear. And if this ending is troubling to you, you are not alone because there are 12 more verses that we did not read. Because at some point, earlier Christian communities of faith couldn't bear that abrupt ending either and added those verses. They tie up all these loose ends in a nice resolution bow. The open-ended ending needed closure. More clarity about what comes next. So even as the large stone in front of the tomb was rolled away, other smaller theological and literary stones got rolled into place with these later endings to give some structure, some boundaries, and conclusions to suit later communities of faith. But we stopped where Mark stopped, out of respect to him, with the original cliffhanger ending of verse 8 with the overwhelmed women's reactions to the rolled-away stone, the angelic being clothed in white, and the message, Jesus is not where you last saw him, but instead has gone on ahead of you to meet you where he said he would. Throughout this past Holy Week, stories were told about how Jesus continued to teach his male disciples with a towel and a wash basin, with broken bread and cups of wine. How they are to be with one another, to love and to serve one another without limits. Jesus knew they would need those reminders, these concrete actions of washing one another's feet and sharing meals, because he also taught them that they would all desert him fleeing the scene when he needed them most. And indeed, on Friday, the discipleship community had disappeared. Except for the women. These watching women who witnessed Jesus' death and burial are the bearers and stewards of hope in this story. Their vigil of remaining with Jesus and their steadfast determination to follow and serve him, even when they think doing so is their last act of love, makes them the model disciples for the resurrection community. They put themselves in places of witnessing the burial, and so they knew exactly where to go early on the first day of the week when the Sabbath was over. They were still faithful to the story, even as it contained an impossibility, the stone-sealed tomb. And they had the faithfulness that perhaps enabled them to remember another angel's conversation with another Mary, 33 years earlier, who told her that nothing will be impossible with God. And that Mary's response was, here am I the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. The faithfulness 
in spite of the perceived impossibilities, makes way for grace to open up a way where there wasn't a way before. So that the end, then, is not really the end, but just the beginning. It's the beginning of the same story. The young man instructs the women to go and tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus has been raised and gone ahead of them to Galilee, just like he had promised. This means there is more to come. It's the reopening of the story that the disciples thought had closed. With the reinstated community comes the reinstated journey of following. Christ is going ahead of them to meet them in Galilee. A circular story spiraling around the person and mystery of God come to earth to be like us. And the divine invitation that is always and ever shall be, come and see and follow me. For Galilee is where it all began. The Sea of Galilee is where Jesus called his first disciples. Peter and Andrew, James and John were fishing there as Jesus walked along the shore, unknown to the world. The area of Galilee was home base for most of Jesus' ministry. His teachings and healings happened around this region. So Galilee is like code for the disciples to remember and return to where their journey with Jesus began. Despite betrayal and desertion in fear and Peter's triple denial that he had no idea who Jesus was. Galilee is the key that the end is just the beginning. And the story continues on in us. The stone has been rolled away so that the promise that God would raise Jesus from the dead and the promise that Jesus will meet us no matter what will come to pass. For nothing is impossible with God. If Galilee was the meeting place for these disciples, what is your Galilee? What is your place? When life has not worked out as you'd hoped and prayed, where are those places, what are those moments in your life that bring you back to the earliest memories and your earliest encounter with God's love? When you truly understood that you were loved and that you simply by being you are a beloved child and accepted by God. By leaving the ending open, Mark asks the readers and hearers of his gospel to go back through the story of Jesus, written down and inscribed on our hearts and minds, and to ask again, what is this Jesus about? And it's in this way that Mark invites us into the story itself. So we allow the ending to become our beginning when we see and do in our own lives the very thing Jesus has been asking us to do all along. Come and see and follow me. 
in this way. The remembrance of Jesus happens when we remember him and remember him as the church, as the body of Christ, bringing him back to life whenever we gather together. In this subversive story of resurrection, this never-ending circular story draws us into the narrative that has yet to be written and lived. This turns us from merely being spectators in the story to spec actors. We are part of the ending of this story. God's grand April Fool's joke, whose last line is always love. There is no wayward journey that cannot be redeemed by new beginnings, by love's hands scooping us up from the dust and whispering, live. For the seekers and disciples of the ancient, present, and future church, the call is to a new beginning, setting out with Jesus again, following as faithfully as we can, knowing now full well what awaits us, a cross and companionship along the way. And perhaps that's the hardest ending to reconcile. It's not fully tragedy, it's not a military or political victory, but an unending challenge to follow anew, because it means we must respond. The only genuine witness to the question of the resurrection is to respond in discipleship. He is not here, but has gone on ahead of us, ahead of the church. And if we wish to see Jesus, we must follow. For only then can we join him where he is, on the way. Will you join him? Amen.